Multiple Myeloma Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support. The following podcast is a recording of the Multiple Myeloma Hub Steering Committee discussing how to integrate BCMA-directed agents in the treatment landscape for relapsed refractory multiple myeloma. The chair is Maria Victoria Mateos, and she is joined by Nina Shah, Paul Richardson, Maury Gertz, and Heinz Ludwig. Open for discussion how to integrate the three modalities we are going to have. Let's go to imagine that ADCs, bi-specific SAN, CAR-Ts targeting BCMA are available for the management of our patients with multiple myeloma. How do you consider we are going to integrate them in the treatment landscape of myeloma patients? Maybe we have it to refer today because, uh, well, we can speculate a bit about the near future, but in principle today. Yeah, I think the the key word that you said, Marivy, is available. And I think that's the, the biggest challenge that we have to use, for example, CAR T cells. I think if I had everything available to me, um, I would like to do CAR T and get the most response duration possible for a one-time treatment um, and then go after, even with another CAR T targeting something different, so PCMA and then GPRC5D, for example, uh, but that's you know in the future. Uh, otherwise, I think the reality is that the bispecifics are really going to be a game changer because they will be more available off the shelf. Um, and I think one thing we're going to learn now, um, hopefully in the next year about real-world practice, is what we need to be out on the lookout for for chronic toxicities, not all patients have them, uh, but just to make sure that we're addressing these chronic issues that happen from serial treatment. Where do you see ADCs? Yeah, I can yeah, I think- have- Oh, sorry, Nina. No, you go, you go, Paul. <laughs> Thank you, Nina. No, I just would say the ADCs, um, I, I, I really do agree that the off-the-shelf piece is vital, and I echo Maury's point, because in clinic, um, this is what really matters. And in particular, I, I just want to bring in another piece to this, which is, um, you know, obviously things are so much better on the COVID front, touch wood, um, than they were. And so some of our concerns about in-hospital resources being used um, and the risks thereon um, become perhaps less of a forefront issue than they were before. But I do want to emphasize with the antibody drug conjugates that we're very hopeful to see some progress being made because whilst the keratopathy is such a challenge, we're making some headway against it and understanding it and managing it. And in contrast to the bispecifics, exciting as they are, um, is that we just don't have any in-hospital piece and it is truly off the shelf in the absolute sense. And recognize you've got to have the ophthalmic piece to it, but there's real progress with keratopathy. And what I think is so exciting about the BCMA base platform overall is what the combinations are doing. And in fact, with Belantamab mafodotin, I'm very struck by some of the combination data and our own experience of the same. If you can get across that keratopathy, boy, you can see some great responses in combination. Yeah, I think that one thing that we've definitely seen in the series of dream trials on Algonquin is that you're getting 80 to 100% response rate in patients with one, two, or three prior lines of therapy uh, with the Lantamama combination. There is this concern because somewhere between 70 to 100% of patients have at least grade one or two keratopathy. Uh, that is something that we're able to manage a little bit better because of dose spacing, et cetera. Um, it, it is 
it does come down to availability. A patient needs to get treated. They need to get treated. So that whatever you can do to help them at that point, ADCs are very convenient. You can get it, you know, really that next week if you just send them to um, ophthalmology that week. Um, so, so I agree with Paul. Like this is something that you can tell your patient tomorrow that they could get uh, within the next seven days with a little logistical pushing and and the duration of response from dream to 11 months. I mean, we've seen that clinically. Patients, a lot of patients respond for a very long time, um, and and so with some dose modifications, we can. Um, can make that a little better for the patients. Yeah, and I don't know if you agree, but maybe the logistic process of a CAR-T with all complexity can be partially balanced by the biospecifics and ADCs because they are easily combinable with other backbones. And Nina and Paul referred to belantamab in combination with pomalidomide with a median PFS of approximately two years, what is a great medium PFS for relapsed and non-refractory myeloma. And the same situation is applicable to bi-specifics. When teclistamab or talketamab had been combined with daratumumab, the efficacy is definitely superior. So I think that at the end of the day, the situation will be even more competitive because the efficacy could be even comparable by the potential combinability for bi-specifics and ADCs. And from my point of view, at the end, we have a well, the three possibilities in order to individualize as much as possible the treatment, because uh, not all patients are going to be eligible for CAR-T, although I agree with you, Nina, that uh, is uh, maybe the favorite one, because uh, this means uh, treatment free and disease free very quickly, but uh, not all patients are going to be eligible. So we have uh, the other possibilities. One other point that I've found has been a pain in the butt has been the fact that uh, the companies that are sponsoring all the CAR-T investigations have very strict cutoffs for GFR because they're afraid of fludarabine and lymphodepletion. So people with a GFR, many older patients with a GFR 40 to 60 have been excluded from CAR-T yeah. appropriately or inappropriately. And then, of course, can go ahead with a bite because that concern about modest reductions in the GFR don't apply as they do to CAR-T. I think uh, bispecifics are a really great option for patients that are older, exactly for the reason that Maury just said, because the creatinine clearance factors in age, right? 140 minus age. Um, and so we have patients creatinine clearance around 30, 33, that are doing fine. Um, and, and, you know, after that first one or two doses step up, they do, they do fine. Um, so, so as, as more pointed out, this is something that could really address who are the myeloma patients. They're older, right? So this is something that could address this. Um, uh, and maybe some of them have cataracts, et cetera. So they might not want to get an ADC. So this really could be the sweet spot for our older patients. Just another question, if I can. So, in the near future, definitely patients in the upfront setting are going to be treated with PIC meets and ICD-38. And uh, well, do you see a role for this BCMA-targeted therapy in first relapse, excluding, I don't know if excluding or eliminating or reserving for later pomalidomide, carfilzomib, and the drugs that we are using right now in second line? Well, I actually think that the best 
one of the best things might be bringing into first line, but for sure, yeah. I think by 2023 and early 2024, we're going to have more trials looking at CAR T cell therapy and BCMA specific therapy for bites in second line. And I think that's a great option because it's very, again, after the first two doses, very non-toxic, but I would love to see if we could do BCMA and maybe CD38 combination frontline eliminate steroids, uh, which I think a lot of patients might like, and then we'd have to decide about induction and how many cycles and all of that, that's that those would be other trials but I do think there's roles for these therapies to move, not just second line, but first line eventually, like we've done with all our myeloma drugs. And you know, I cannot agree more because uh, I, I follow the principle, you should use the best treatment, which is, which is available in front line in order to win the war and not to see yeah. the battle. So, but we need the data. But I think the prospects are very good at this point of time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I wanted to focus first on <laughs> the real situation because otherwise the audience can consider that the discussion is for eight or ten years time. But yeah, definitely yeah. agree. But, but if I may, just a, a comment there, Heinz. Um, I couldn't agree more with you that you know we mustn't be parsimonious with best options but we must be strategic right Heinz correct I mean I love that slide we all use which is treating myeloma is not a uh, you know it's a marathon not a sprint and, and I still think for the vast majority of us that or our patients I should say that still applies so I think the strategic view is so important because whilst it certainly may not require apply to biospecifics perhaps but I do think as a theme the idea of using therapies early that don't have consequences later um, is, is something we'll continue to focus on. Thank you for listening to the Multiple Myeloma Hub podcast. We would also like to thank our supporters, Pfizer, Amvi, Bristol Myers Squibb, Genentech, Roche, Amgen, and Takeda. Multiple Myeloma Hub podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support.